I'm gonna cry. Blog Talk Radio. Hello? Gee, I'm here. Okay. I thought I lost you. No, it's the music. I'm just emailing him the number again. I can't. Oh well, too bad. Good morning. This is Fran Lewis. What's left of her? This is MJ Network, and this is going to be so much fun. We have Mally Becker, Mally Becker here for Paris Mistress. Oh, my God, was that good? I'll tell you that. And we have Cindy McDonald's, whose new book is coming out. The cover is great, by the way. I read it. Now, not only did I read it, but I read the blurb and stuff, and that is even better. It was great. And we're supposed to have Robert Mazaroff, but we'll see what happens. So, Cindy and Mally, welcome to Blog Talk Radio. And before I forget, I promised that my nephew I would do this, just because his aunt likes to embarrass people. No. Yesterday... Um, Team USA TV coach Jason, my nephew, and the top goalie of the year, my nephew Kate, came in first in the USA Championship in soccer. And wow, congratulations. That, How wonderful. I was like, not only that, of course, they made a fuss because that's just me. And everybody knows that when it's your birthday, you're going to get an embarrassing poem, but that's okay, too. But I'm very proud of him because Kate, I miss those guys. But I just have to say congratulations, Kate. So, Cindy, how did you decide on the two genres that that you write in, the two mystery ones? And tell us about the new one. I love Alexa, but this one's going to be complicated. I know. Oh, yeah, it's very complicated. The the one I'm writing right now, Long Lost Lies, I'm, I'm currently on Chapter 17, and it is very complicated. Time travel is complicated in general. Um, but um, I, as you know, I was writing romantic suspense there for years, um, the first four series, and I enjoyed writing it. I truly did. But um, romantic suspense can be difficult. Uh, I mean, I'm not afraid of difficult things, but it's also a very, very busy genre. And I have a girlfriend, uh, another writer, who said to me, why don't, oh, I know, my granddaughter asked if she could read one of my books, and I, and she was like 10, Ooh, wow. I said, uh, no, no. So my friend said to me, why don't you write a mystery, something anybody can read? And I thought, I can't write a mystery, I don't know anything about mysteries. So that's when Fiona Quinn was born, and um, I, I thought, right, you know, Cindy, I was a professional dancer for 26 years, so... I took her to the Benetton Center and put her on the Benetton stage and uh, wrote the mystery around a dead ballerina, a murdered ballerina. And um, that was in 2016. And then in 2020, I decided to write the time travel just for something different. I, I think it's great. I just tried to call him. He didn't answer. And there's nothing I could do uh-huh. that I can't call him. Hi, Robert, are you there? No, I guess not. And Mally, how did you come? You know, I read the read the book three times, just to make sure oh that I goodness. got it right. Well, you know, I have a photographic memory which scared somebody on the phone this morning terribly. They really did. They said, how did you remember all those fax numbers and stuff? I said, it's a thing my father taught me. But how did you decide on that time period? And don't you ever kill off Benjamin Franklin? I would cry. Oh, can't can't possibly <laughs> kill off Benjamin Franklin. I fell in love with him. No, you can't. But but I think the the uh, time period in the genre picked me. I didn't pick it. Um, I was I was volunteering at the Morristown National Historical Park, and I found an indictment that was dated during the Revolutionary War. And it was an accusation that some poor farmer had committed the crime of traveling to New York City 
without the government's permission. And that I don't know why that offended me so much, but I went to the park historian and he said, oh, honey, let me, let me explain the real Revolutionary War to you. The country was oh, as wow. divided as it is now. And so many people were spying for the British and taking their secrets to Manhattan, which the British controlled, mm. that uh, New Jersey shut down travel. And suddenly that long-ago time period started feeling very real to me because the country was as divided then as it is now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just grabbed me. And I started writing the, the series, and I, book three, The Paris Mistress, is out. Well, I could have to tell you, I normally don't read stuff like that, and usually by the time I get to read it, it's like, oh, my God, no, because I've gotten some really bad books lately, <laughs> I have to tell you, and some of them oh, are by famous authors, really bad, and I don't write negative reviews ever, and it's kind of hard that, you know, the, the, the plot line, I'm reading one by a very famous author as we speak, and to be very honest, the the main character is not too bright and very full of herself, but I can't say that. <laughs> so it's really hard. I mean, you have your characters, and Cindy knows I love Fiona and Nathan. Nobody better try to steal Nathan again or I'll smack him, and that, that's not good. But how do you keep it fresh? In other words, I've read all of Cindy's books, and I've never once sat down and said, oh, crap, this is another character, same character, another plot. So how do you keep it fresh? You know, because I've read too many books in a series, and sometimes I'll just say, okay, so the the guy's going to kill somebody, he's going to do it, who cares? I mean, after a while, I begin to say, well, who cares? Hmm. Well, with Fiona, uh, especially with Fiona, well, with the, with the Owl's Nest, of course, it's always different, because I take you to a different time period. I I take you to different situations. But with Fiona and Nathan, we got, I did get to a point where I thought, okay, I've got to shake this series up a little bit. And so that is when they got married. I think what book was it that they got married in book uh, eight, maybe? Yeah. And then I kept the marriage secret until book ten, I think, just to, just to shake it up. I brought in some new, more exciting characters, um, Orlovsky and Gustavo. Uh, the uh, Russian spies, and that brought uh, more comedy to the uh, series. I brought in Rita Landry, and um, mm. so I wanted to shake that series up, and I think I've managed to do that. Um, and now with uh, the um, Owl's Mysteries, like I said, it's always being shaken up because every single uh time travel trip is different this time alexa is is left behind she does not go winnie yeah. goes in long lost lies lies winnie goes so and it's an accident that winnie goes and um so uh you know it it, it you have to keep them fresh because the last thing you want is for your readers to say okay She's written this book two or three times, the same storyline. So, yes, it's important to keep it fresh. Otherwise, you're going to lose your readers. Yeah. Well, well Robert, hi, how are you? Is... He's here, finally. Uh, hello. Can you hear me? Hi. Hello. Yes, this is Cindy and Mally, two of my favorite authors. And Robert's book is really interesting. It was. And we're talking about how you came to write the Last Horseman, a little bit background behind it, and then maybe I'll let you know about how I came to scare people, because Cindy read my book, Mirror Image, and um, I'm threatening a sequel, maybe. <laughs> That's interesting, you you're threatening know. a sequel. Yep, you never know. <laughs> so well, tell us about uh, The Last Horseman. And how and how you came to write it and the truth behind it because I sort of you know snuck a little bit out but they have to know the real truth about it. Oh my, the real truth. Uh, uh, well, the real truth is it's a story about uh, horse racing. Uh, that's set in that's the backdrop, but the uh, the real story is about uh, actually. <laughs> 
uh, sort of autobiographical. It's, it's uh, the real story is about my mother, who mm-hmm. oh, yeah. um, made quite a bit of money as an illegal gambler on horse racing, um, and uh, what she did to do that, and then what she did with the money. And so on. So it's a story about horse racing and gambling and a woman's love for her husband, which was I fell much in love with the book. I said uh, I read nice it. And it. Thank you. It's huge. I still have the book, by the way. And, of course, I have The Paris Mistress. And I don't have Cindy's book, but don't worry about it. I have that in my head anyway. And I just want you to know, Cindy, that... Um, my next door neighbor stopped me yesterday, and she said, "Where are my books?" And you wasn't in there. Oh. She 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 demanded. Well, my, I I have my between my dermatologist and my neighbors. I don't have to worry. And I did hand her a book of about ten ten books I was going to give to somebody else, but she took them. So who am I to argue? I don't care. So let me give you a hint. Mirror image came from the fact that there were a lot of people in the world that I find are mean. And they have done things that are really not nice and horrible. So if you look at the cover, you can see the scared faces of the mirror. And the mystical mirror has many faces, some innocent, some deserving of punishment. This is the mirror of truth, and it punishes evildoers severely. As the book unfolds, each person you meet has done something, but if they don't repent, they get to relive their dream and their horror in the mirror forever. For real. So mm. that's that. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> I thought about it when since going through what I'm going through. And I'm saying, you know, it will be interesting to write the next mirror image with the people that have done the wrong thing and having to face the mirror and explain it and wind up there. And I have to decide how I want to, how I want to do it. But let's get back to all of you. Now, Cindy, how would you describe the relationship between Fiona and Nathan as opposed to Alexa? And well, she's got a boyfriend in the present and and somebody in the in the past, right? Um, Alexa is a very reluctant time traveler. Uh, She came home to Pittsburgh, which all of my books are based in Pittsburgh. You know that. Mm. Um, It's part of that write what you know thing, and. she, when she comes home to Pittsburgh, she uh, has this new couturier shop, and when she goes in, there's there's an angel in there, and um, his name is Detective Bobby Starr. He's very handsome, but Bobby's got a problem. He he's kind of a wayward angel. He's a, an ornery sort, and he's trying to get into Saint Pete's Guardian Angel Squad, and he's got to solve three murders he left behind as a detective that were unsolved. And he takes a, a, my character back in time to help him solve them. Well, now we're book five, so we're well past Bobby, and I've brought another detective in uh, who is her boyfriend, her lover, Cliff, Detective Cliff Slater in the present day, who knows nothing about her time traveling. Uh, his grandfather, Detective Clifton Slater, who we met while he was still alive, 92, in the nursing home. And now he has passed away, uh, I think he ba- passed away in book four, and uh, he is now trying to get into the same guardian angel squad. So, once again, I've shaken up that series because I couldn't continue poor Bobby Starby and stuck not getting into that guardian angel squad. Good, good, uh, squad. good Lord, that would be awful. So now that's where we're at. As far as, um, as Fiona and Nathan are concerned, uh, their relationship is um, it's it's a charming relationship. You know, it's taken them quite a while yeah. to to get married, and and Cliff and um, Alexa still aren't married. But um, I kind of take my time with those relationships. I want those relationships to uh, be for the reader to to grow into them along with the characters. I do not rush relationships. 
I just don't. In any of my books, I don't rush relationships. So, well, I think um, that's why I like them, because you don't top them into, oh, I'm going to get them married in five minutes. And that's sort of, like, unbelievable to me anyway. Right. So right. Mal- and I, and Malian- in the, I'm sorry. In the romantic, romantic, romantic suspense books I used to write, I didn't rush those characters into bed either. I, I slowly got them to those, those types of relationships, but I didn't rush them in. You know, it's not just not the writer that I am. You know, the hardest thing I think for me, and you guys are lucky, is to find someone that's going to take your story. I mean, Mally, you have a, a very good publisher, I guess, because you used it for all of your books, and Robert too. Mm-hmm. I self-publish, and yet I was hoping to get my next book with somebody. Else. How did you just? How do you get? someone to accept your story and then get a contract for a whole more than one book because a lot of people are asking that question that that is a tough one and i and i think the answer for every writer is different um yeah there's there are very few cases in in which um fairy dust gets sprinkled on someone and you send your book in and it's immediately accepted Mm -hmm. by one of the big publishers So uh, I had queried uh, several agents and gotten requests for entire manuscripts, and um, nothing came of it. I put my story away and started uh, on something new, uh, and a friend got in touch who who said uh, they had gotten a contract with my publisher, and they had told... Uh, one of the senior editors about my book um, and asked if I could uh, send it to them and skip the slush pile. Uh, So I sent it, and uh, less than two weeks later I heard back, and they wanted to know whether my my first book, uh, The Turncoat's Widow, was a standalone Mm -hmm. or a series. Um, So I'll tell you a secret. I, I had no thought of writing a series but once they asked that question I said oh yes it's a series and I had a three book contract so um, I, I think the best advice to, to any writer is, is networking uh, and go to conferences some of even uh, online conferences uh, such as Murderous March that one of the Sisters in Crime um, uh, chapters sponsors because you don't know who you'll meet and there are agents and editors and other writers uh, who will welcome you or at least have conversations and can lead to things you can only imagine well I I know that I'm on LinkedIn and all I get from Mm -hmm. these people is um, would you like me to promote your book for this much money would you like me to teach you how to do this? Would you like that? It's never, can I read your book first? It's always with a catch, and I won't do it. I won't even, when I look them up, it's like somebody from a foreign country that I've never heard of because they heard about my message. And they ask me, you know, uh, would you like to have this program for free or for a month or something? And no, I don't. So, Robert, are you going to write any more about Eddie, or are you going to write something else? Well, uh, I, I wasn't going to write more about uh, Eddie and, and uh, Jean, but uh, based on your, based on what, uh, and I, I apologize, I don't know which one of you it was, Cindy Rally, but uh, based on your comment, maybe I should. Uh, <laughs> see, uh, I told you. See, there, there's there's other stories uh, that permeate their lives, and uh, perhaps those would be appealing as well. Um, but I, if, I may, if I may step back for just one minute, uh, mm-hmm. uh, how do you – I'm not even sure how to frame the question. Uh, how do you keep writing uh, – how do you keep writing before you garner – Acceptance of your of your writing and uh, a, a broader readership. 
how do you, uh, I guess, how do you plow forward? Well, they know better than I do. I use a self-publisher that takes my book, Sign Unseen. I did use an independent publisher, I won't tell you which one, and I found them very poor. I wrote a book and I asked them to please tell me how to make the plot longer, how to correct the grammar. There was no grammar mistakes. Can I? The book is 77 pages. I said, can you help me make it like 100? And they, they published it anyway, and it cost me $3,600 to get the book published. It definitely wasn't worth it. And they did nothing to promote. So you've got to do your homework like that also. And I didn't realize it. And then I had one published by a traditional publisher, and they did my first three Faces Behind the Stone series. When I asked them to do Sisters, Two Sisters from the Bronx, Two Stories Growing Up with My Sister, they took it, but they did it reluctantly. So, Cindy, you have a, a publisher, right, that that you use all I the time? I have no I did have a publisher. I got rid of them. I stacked them. I, I don't want anything to do with them. Um, Traditional publishing. I am independent. I am proudly independently published. My books are very well edited from Fred. Um, the um, yes, I I do my own. Um, the and and my you know my my uh, covers are gorgeous. I've seen some pretty awful covers, um, but uh-huh. my covers are gorgeous. And um, how I plow through, as as he put it, is. I just keep going. I write. Uh, as a matter of fact, when Long Lost Lies comes out in May, uh, no, excuse me, June 5th, excuse me, June 5th is when that book comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be my 30th published work. And um, I'm a very well-received independent author. Um, but, yes, you have to market your own books, even if you are traditionally published. And I've talked to those people and they told me that after three months, um, I talked to one of the top agents. Uh-huh. She told me after three months, they consider a book dead. And um, you have to keep marketing and marketing. Uh, I market on Twitter and Facebook and other places. I, I put my books on those virtual tours and um, bookstagramming tours. And, um, you know, it's, you, you just have to keep going. And and you have to love it. That's the bottom line. You have to love writing. I I don't know any other way to put it. Cindy, that's what I'm saying. Well, I just did a virtual tour with with Partners in Crime. And for those of you that write crime or anything, or fiction or anything, they, they, um, because I work for them, they gave me the tour for five days, which I didn't have to do, Mm -hmm. but I appreciate. And because of it, I post on LinkedIn, for real, I post all of your reviews on LinkedIn. Cindy, you got over 600 views for my last oh. review of your oh, last thank book. You. Seriously? And you too, Miele, everybody. Robert, they're still reading it. And I don't know how, but LinkedIn seems to be the link. Better than uh, Twitter's okay. Better than Facebook. Better than uh, Blurdy. Better than Zanga. Better than all of them. And they they actually comment and say that they're reading it. And this morning I got one for 600 and some odd impressions from Mark Greeny's book. I mean, they don't even know. I just put it on Facebook. Nobody realizes it. It's probably one of the best. And I am paying someone not a lot of money every month to market for me, and I'm going to stop it because I don't see any of my posts for any one of my books. So you're right. You have to really love what you do. And I use Robinette Fideli. She's amazing. The cover of this book is great, but they don't do any marketing at all, um, ever. Right. So that makes it kind of hard to do. Uh, so let me see. Mally, do you consider your book fiction or nonfiction or both? Because that's a question somebody just asked. Oh, um, I consider my books both. Um, oh, that's why. My, the, the Paris Mistress. Uh, tells the story of my my two uh, series characters, Becca and and Daniel, who are are determined to marry and leave their uh, their past behind as spies for uh, George Washington. And uh, for reasons you can read about, they arrive in Paris and um, work to uncover a plot to bribe Benjamin Franklin. The I was um, surprised and 
happy because it gave me the plot to discover that there really was a plot to bribe Benjamin Franklin when he was our ambassador to France during the American Revolution. And I'd, I'd never heard of it. I knew nothing about it. Um, mm. And the, the bribe letter is actually sitting in our national archives. And my plot is based around that bribe or attempted bribe. Uh, so uh, that was a lot of fun for me. Uh, my characters are fictional, but I've, I've got uh, historical characters like Franklin and uh, a, a woman who actually did live in his house that summer, an artist who might have been an American, a spy uh, for the Patriots as well. Um, well, I have so the cover in front of me. This is not out yet, right? This didn't come it out, is out yet. We did. It, it, the was out, uh, it came out in January. Oh, I don't know why I don't have it. I have to put the review on my just reviews. The cover is outrageous, people. It's gorgeous. You feel like you're in that time period. Seriously. And the cover I, matches I, the story. Yeah. I was so happy with the cover. It shows my main character arriving in the uh, yeah. the courtyard at Versailles. Since since she's in Paris, of course I had to get her to Versailles and uh, and and to meet Queen Marie Antoinette because this is this is of course before the French Revolution. I love Marie Antoinette. So your book is historical fiction, and that's the genre of yeah. historical fiction? It's a historical mystery. Oh, historical mystery. Historical fiction, and the historical mystery. Yeah, yeah the, first, the first two books in the series were both nominated for Agatha Awards. Oh, which, wow. Which still astonishes me. That, that's, that's the funny part about it is that I never got an award. Except for the cover of the book about my mother, a daughter's promise. So how do you get people to recognize? Cindy does too. Is also recognized. So how do you do that? Because I know I put myself out there. I even said the other day on Facebook, I'm writing the, a book about a true story that really happened to me, and I could use some a legal expert to make sure that I get it right. I don't want them to do anything. I just want somebody to tell me. What I'm allowed to do, for example, if I use, write the names of the characters and I use their real names, am I going to get in trouble? Or do I have to change the names of the people so that they know I wrote it, but they can't say anything? You know, things like that. Um, The events, I'm going to write the truth. But I don't know if you're allowed to write the names of the real people, the providers that messed up my life. So I don't know. I'm just working on it. Oh, I would be very but, careful with that, Fran. If you use someone's real name, um, yeah. there's a very, a very good chance that you would get sued by those individuals. I, I would change those names if it were me. Yeah. I would too, Fran. Those those people are not public figures. There's a different standard for public figures and all yeah. the rest of us. So, yeah, change if if you're going to call it fiction especially if you're going to call it fiction, change change the names. I want to write and based on a true life experience. So it's not going to be considered uh, that. It's going to be considered based on a real life experience. Uh, change if, the name. If I may, if I may I, I, uh, my book is based on Go ahead. largely on true life experience and I was counseled by my editor uh, very vehemently because I used a lot of a, a lot of true uh, people. In fact, almost all of them are true. But uh, I used some names, and my editor came back and uh, just vehemently objected to that and said, mm. "You will tie yourself up in lawsuits." Do That's not use the the true names, even if the people were dead. Uh, I'm not sure that that's true, but uh, she said, "Don't don't do it. It's uh, you just don't want to do it." So I, I wanted to use the names. Uh, I'm vindictive in that way, and uh, 
they I didn't. No, I, I agree. You know, the, what bothers me is that the incident that I'm talking about, one of the one of the people in, involved um, took something during the deposition that belonged to me that I didn't know she took, and it was a journal that I wrote about what I was going through for over a year and a half. And I said to my team, I want that back. And they gave it to her. They, she took it, Xeroxed it, made copies, and I had to be deposed on something that was none of her business, and I can't seem to get it back. So I don't even know if it pays. There are people that, that file complaints with the Bar Association. I don't think they're going to do anything about that, but to me it just matters. But here's here's my next question, seriously. The, the hardest question I ever, the reason I started to write is my sister's fault. So I want to know what the reason is you decided to write. My sister, before she died, said, I weigh 102 pounds. I weighed 200-something pounds because I was eating myself up from aggravation. And she said, if you don't, if you, if you get any fatter, if you get any fatter, you're going to, you're going to, you know, wait, you know, won't be able to fit through the door. And she was right. So I started to write, my name is Bertha. And I thought she was going to kill me because I wrote the true story growing up with her and how rotten she was <laughs> in the Bronx. So how do you how do you decide, you know, what what you're going to write? And how do you decide, um, when did you decide that, that you that you want to write? Because I'm not sorry. Well, who do you want to answer the question? How did you, Cindy, what made you decide you want to write? Well, uh, you know that I was a professional dancer for 26 years. Um, uh, I'm someone who lives on, like I said, I, I'm, I'm a very strange person because I, I live on a thoroughbred farm. My husband raises thoroughly. Um, I was a professional dancer for 26 years, uh, trained through Pittsburgh Ballet Theater School. Um, I... I had a school where I taught, and I I had always written little stories, did nothing with them, thank you very much, but I wrote them. And then my father, in 2005, dropped dead mm. right in front of my mother. On Valentine's oh, Day, that was, that was very considerate of him. And um, <laughs> then about a year later, I was down in my office doing some work, and I swore I heard him whisper, whisper to me, you're on the back side of that racetrack all the time. There's characters everywhere. Right, Cindy. Right. And I could have swore I felt his hand on the back of my back pushing me toward my computer. And that was it. That's when I started writing. And, um, you know, I, I wrote two murder suspense, romantic suspense series. Then I wrote the children's books for my grandchildren because we had that I little ornery, nasty pony in that pasture, and I watched him just boss those thoroughbreds around. And so I wrote some children's books, and then, of course, I just told you a few minutes ago how I came to write the mysteries. But that, that you know is, what? That is, I, that, I, I retired. Your is just so different, though. You're writing, you know, when you said you're a professional dancer... I was a professional klutz, for real. <laughs> and I took my yep. mother made me take dancing lessons. I took violin, piano, Hebrew, and all sorts of stuff. And I, I loved every minute of it. And I was a concert pianist and violinist. And then she said, you'll, "You'll lose weight if you dance." And the music teacher let me play the piano, so I didn't have to dance. That's how oh. bad I was. Oh. So before I forget. On Monday, David Wilson will be here with Wet, Warm, and Noisy. On the 6th, New York Times author Andrea Kane struck dead. On the 11th, I am so excited, John Land and Joe Ayers will be here with Leave No Trace. On the 13th, um, Elizabeth Cowens. And on the 14th, I got another panel of Baron Bridger, uh, Dick Belsky, and anybody else that wants to join, because it's going to be fun. And we're going to talk about bragging about your books. So next question is, how how do you get people, how do you feel about book reviews? Are they that important? Because I've got some 
nice ones and some bad ones. Well, How do you we feel about the book reviews? I'm sighing as you ask the question. I'm sighing as you ask the question, Fran. Um, I think book reviews are important. People, there, are, there are so many books out there. Um, how do you know what to read? And whether you're looking at Amazon reviews or more formal and more traditional reviews like Publishers Weekly or Kirkus, um, they, they do matter. Um, I, I wish there was a way, and, and I haven't mm-hmm. figured it out, to correlate the release of a good book review to a change in, in book sales. Um, mm-hmm. But, but I, I can't. It's, um, and on the other hand, on a day you get a review that's not so good, it can ruin your. It can ruin my entire day. I still haven't developed that that hard shell that lets me shrug it off immediately. Um, so there are times I just I don't read them for a day or two, and then kind of half open an eye to see uh, how good or or bad. And I'm lucky; most of them are are quite good. The reviewers. I don't. I don't. I don't bother. I will never write a negative review. If I really feel, and it's rare that a book is not worth at least three, three and a half stars, I'll just write a summary, and I will not comment about the book. I did the tour with with Partners in Crime, and I specifically asked for no reviews because Mm. some of the authors don't understand my my type of writing, toned from the dead person behind the gravestone or something. So I did get some book reviews, and one that I found very insulting – I had three people plus a New York Times author edit my book. It was perfect. And then I had a fourth person read it to tell me if there were any mistakes. And the person said, the series was great, but you could use a good editor, at which point I said, um, I didn't answer. I didn't bother to dignify it with an answer. I did tell the people that run the tour, I said, that was rude. And they did say to her, you can't put it on Amazon or anything like that. It was Mm. just plain nasty for no reason. And I can understand everybody. You know what? I read New York Times authors every day. And I'm reading one right now, and she's got a lot of mistakes. And I'm not going to say anything. It's not my pie. Not my pie. Not my thing. So how do you deal with that, Robert? Your your book, of course, I gave nine stars until Amazon decided I can't post on Amazon because somebody hacked into my site and they don't realize it wasn't me. So I'm on Goodreads and Lincoln and a whole bunch of places, so whatever. So what, how do you feel about reviews for The Last Horseman? They have to be good. Uh, I, I, I've been blessed. Uh, the reviews yeah. have been very good, uh, and I, I, I think perhaps that's unusual. I haven't even gotten, I think, the complete nonsensical review that you talked about a moment ago of yeah. it needs a good editor. I mean, that's that 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 statement is absolutely meaningless. Uh, it's sort of the same statement that sailors make, you know, the sea can play tricks on a man. I don't know what the yeah. heck that means, but it's completely meaningless. Uh, I, I, I don't know whether reviews are important, they certainly do boost my ego. And uh, I think it was Mally a minute ago uh, who said, uh, you know, she doesn't know if they have a good impact, but they certainly have a negative impact on her. Uh, I I can see that would be the case. It would just ruin you. Uh, but I think the one review that I would ignore, I don't know if I could. This is big talk. But I think the one review I would attempt to ignore is the one where somebody says, you could use a good editor. Mm, uh, yeah, that, that, that and, got me upset, yeah. And, she, and she, she does it on purpose. And I specifically ask that she not be part of the tour, because every time, whether it's my book or somebody else, so I didn't quite understand it. I have to give it three stars. You're, you're, you're in the profession. You know what I'm saying, and it's whatever. So I said, you know what? I didn't bother to dignify it. I just told it to the people running the site because she knew I was going to say something. 
But what can I say? So would you ever pick to write in another genre, something different out of your comfort zone? Like Cindy, by the way, my next-door neighbors, um, is, they love, the his, I don't know if they're his nieces or whatever, love uh, George the Horse. They absolutely love yeah, it. George the Pony. Oh, that loud George the Pony. Pony. They love it. Um, they love it. Yeah. You know, um, George was 45 years old when I was writing those books, um, and he left our farm. We sent him to Blue Ribbon Stables because the man who owned Blue Ribbon wanted him there to be able to point at him and say, there's been books written about this pony. And he was there for I don't know how many years afterwards, and poor George finally passed away um, maybe a year or so ago. He passed away. And um, one of the ponies that was uh, featured in the books, if you remember the black and white Appaloosa, Ebby, uh-huh. I think she was, yeah, it, she was in George Turns Green, uh, the story about jealousy. I am very sorry to say that wonderful, wonderful little mare was 27 years old, and we had to put her down three days before Christmas. She just, Aww. I don't, we don't really know. Yeah, I, I, it ruined my Christmas. But anyway... Um, if I had to, you know what, I, I'm always, I'm on, uh, X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. And, um, I see all these sci-fi books, you know, and my brain just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. But I'm always amazed by those people who can write those sci-fi books, you know, and not that I would want to, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty amazed by them that they, they create these completely different worlds and everything. Um, historical I've, I've, fiction, I find that very interesting, but I, I don't think I could write one of those either, although I'm, I'm kind of on the very edge of that with writing the um, time travel because it is, I, I suppose it is historical if you get right down to it. You, well, you should you know read Mally's historical? books, but I, I, read, I read sci-fi. I've read too many, a lot of sci-fi, <laughs> and... Some of the sci-fi is like a little over the top, and I'm going like, why am I reading this? But I, I just finished a book that I wasn't sure about, and I just read it, and it's about Africa. And it's called The Narrow Window, and it's about Peace Corps workers that came to help and with the education in Switzerland, in Africa. And the thing that happened to this girl, because... Someone just took advantage of her, and what happens is, and the politics, it was, I started to read and go, I don't know, it was excellent, by David uh, S. Wilson, really, really good, fantastic book, but I don't know, if I I write, I don't even know if I'm going to write this next one, I haven't even figured out whether I'm going to do that or not, but one one last question, if you could um, talk to, who is your favorite author, if you could talk to your favorite author, what would be a good question you would ask that person? Because I've asked that of, Dave, of uh, Philip Margolin and Tess Gerenson when I interviewed them. And I said, what would you do with this? Or how would you do with that? So who if you could ask someone uh, that's a famous author to read your book, which I did, um, wh- who would you ask? I actually I, sent uh, them the book. Sent who? I gave them to. I, I don't know what they thought, but I know that they took it to read. It doesn't mean that they liked it, but they they did read it. But um, Mary Image Vincent Zary gave me the blurb for the back cover, so obviously he liked it. Uh, David Putnam gave me a, a blurb for the front cover, and obviously he liked it. And I, I guess because I interviewed these people, I had the audacity to ask them to read it. I also told them if they hate it, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. So I'll change the question. What's your favorite question that anybody asks you when you do an interview or when you uh, do these? I know that Cindy goes to these conferences and Mally does and I don't know about Robert. And I've gone to some and I I even posted my book on uh, one of the horror sites and I said, if anybody wants a review, let me know. I'll read your book because I read horror. And then I said, if anybody wants to read mine, and I went on five horror sites, and I unjoined because nobody said anything. Mm. Nobody said a word. Nobody asked I, to read it. 
they they accepted my post, but they didn't say anything. So what what would be you know your favorite um, question that somebody would ask you, or your favorite thing that that would make people realize that your book is probably the best? How would you convince people? Yeah, I know what I'm writing. Read my book. Well, that's that's like five questions in in one. So I know that's I'm, me. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start out with something that sounds frivolous, but I became absolutely fascinated by um, hairstyles at, at Versailles during Louis XVI's reign because women were wearing um, their hair about two to three feet in the air with crazy decorations like miniature ships and miniature cathedrals. And I hope somebody asked me about that because I just had so much fun researching it. Um, if I could, uh, I did give my book, first book, to one of my favorite authors, Lindsay Fay. And, um, and she had a lot to do with me writing it all, and, and I was thrilled when she uh, wrote a blurb for that first book. Um, and then the question I think we all hope uh, our readers ask is, when is your next book coming out? Exactly. And that's the next question. <laughs> yep. Well, before the next question, I I I got to tell you, I you you people are a lot stronger of soul than I am. I I couldn't imagine giving my book to a to a, an author that I revered for fear <laughs> that that author would would say, "My god, go into plumbing sales or something like that or stop writing. <laughs> I I don't have that kind of a that kind of inner strength. I you know the really? the only thing the only thing that made me brave enough to do it is someone told me that all the all the quote unquote famous authors we know all went through the same thing when they were starting mm-hmm. out and, they and most are. of them are You're really right. kind. You're right, because they still are going through the same mm-hmm. kind. And I've read, really? um, I won't tell who, some of their reviews, and I'm saying, like, I thought the book was cute. And I can't stand, um, on my last book that I did with um, independent publishing, I got a couple of five-star reviews, and then somebody wrote something really nasty on Amazon. I just ignored it. Because I don't think the person read the book. I think they just were troll. There are a lot of people that write reviews, and they're not writers. They just want to be nasty. So I I was going to ask them to take the book off of Amazon, and I don't really care. It just You have to have a thick skin. And Vincent Zandri had no problem reading the book, and neither did David Putnam. But my preference with, if you really don't like it, it's okay. You can tell me, what did you what did I do wrong? I asked someone else to read something before that. He said it was good, but when you write the next one, I would suggest you do this. And I don't get insulted. That was fine. So where can everybody find out about all of you? Well, uh, for me, I'm, you, you, I've got a website, robertmazarov.com, uh, although it's sort of the alphabet soup of all that. I don't think you're going to find but. Uh, uh, you can uh, my book is on Amazon um, if you want to know I'll, you know, you can get on my website and call me I think I put my number in there if not the number certainly the there's an email address on there and uh, uh, I, I respond to things on that um, that and I, if you want to know about me or the book or anything just read it uh it's really it's really uh sort of as i am pretty transparent and shallow well i think everybody should read it because i loved it and i wanted to thank thank you you, um your publicist for asking me to read it that's the other thing um i don't have any i have people that are representing me but nobody says you know like fran lewis read her book or whatever i have to say it myself so you're, you're lucky because, Cindy, I know you're reading. I know you're writing. And Mally, too. And if there's a publicist that works with anybody, it's great when they contact me and then they get upset. And, well, why won't you take the PDF? Because Fran only reads on her 
Why won't read on my computer? It bothers my eyes. So, Melody, where can we find out about you and all um, of your great books? Well, well, thank you for asking. Um, I have a website too, MallyBecker.com, and that's M-A-L-L-Y Becker. Um, you can find me on face, uh, Facebook and Instagram as well, um, and Amazon and all the usual places. I stopped using Instagram. I don't know why. I, I just deleted a whole bunch of sites yesterday. And Cindy, where can I find out about all three of your series? And are you going to write the same um, mystery thriller again from the beginning? Am I going to do what? The first series that I read was a mystery thriller series. Uh, no, I, I stopped writing the mystery thrillers and the romantic suspense, and I'm I'm pretty much uh, looking at the the mysteries that I write. I, I enjoy those so much, so I think I'm going to stick with what I'm truly enjoying. Uh, my website is csmcdonaldbooks.com. I'm on. Uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter and X, uh, Instagram. My granddaughter is helping me with Instagram because I hate it so much, but she helps me. And, um, you know, Amazon and all those usual places where you find us obsessed writers. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to post the link um, when I get uh, get off. I'm going to post the link out. I'll give you each of you the link. You can post it wherever you want. This way everybody knows that, that the show was really great. That was fun, actually. And if you have, when you have a new book, Cindy's down for August already because I just got an email from that somebody wants another one for June. I'm going like, you got to, June is taking people. So if you have a book coming out in June, you better tell me now because, to be honest, it, it's almost gone. I can't believe it. My show's booked to all through August and some of September already. So if you have anything coming out, just let me know. But thank you so much. You brightened my whole day, everybody, really. This has thank been you, great. Grant. Everybody, thank you. read The Paris Mistress. Read all of Cindy's books, especially Fiona and Nathan. And, and read <laughs> The Last Horseman. And, and Cindy, since you like Corset, you should read The Last Horseman. It's fantastic. Everybody, you know what? I have think a group. I'm going to purchase that, that book for my husband. I think he'll love it. Uh, yeah, he will. He will. And I'm going to get it from I'm my, so niece, glad to hear from my that. cousin. I hope he enjoys it. Everybody have a great day. Thank you, guys, and bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. What nice people. <laughs>